Hello, and we're back for the second bumper episode of this podcast from the backseat. I'm joined by Hugh as always. Hugh, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Very well. How are you doing? I'm very well. We're going to bring the energy. We're going to bring it up a notch this time. You know, two fixtures in the first week. We're a bit fatigued, but we're bringing the energy today. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's a more interesting topic today. Something that I've definitely been interested in, which is Chelsea's uh, first off-season with Roman gone. Ted Bowley's obviously come in. So we're just going to have a little, as Jack says, a deep dive into that. Um, and kind of assess, you know, how their transfer window's gone and you know how, how the new owner's doing, basically. Exactly. You know, some of our Chelsea-leaning friends have been a bit peeved that we've kind of skimmed over Chelsea in both the podcasts so far. But <laughs> I think they're going to enjoy this one. You know, uh, it's all about you today. I mean, depending on what we say, they might be more peeved. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fair. Actually, yeah, they're probably going to be more annoyed than now. But you know what? At least you've got exposure. All publicity is good publicity. Exactly, exactly. And Man United fans, we're coming for you soon. <laughs> yeah, Barca, don't think we've forgotten. Oh, we're just seeing how that plays out. But yes, there will be more deep dives as the season continues along with the, the game week reviews and, you know, probably some more ideas will pop up as we progress through the season. Yeah, and Patrick Bamford, that offer still stands, my man. It's waiting Anytime. for you, Patrick. You know, you've been Anytime. ignoring my DMs, my friend, but we're waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get started. So, like you said, we kind of got three sections we want to go through. There's so many transfers to talk about. Rumours, outgoings, incomings, a bit of history as well. Um, then we're going to kind of move on to experience over youth and just talk about kind of two calls philosophy um, and whether it aligns with the actual club. And then, yeah, just some looking forward, some thoughts, uh, where they're at and where we think they could end up. So, biggest transfer to start with, I think we have to talk about Cucurella. We do. We do indeed. Um, big signing, kind of out of nowhere, that one. It was, it was definitely out of nowhere. It was one of those, a bit like last year with Ronaldo, where Man City were rumoured for quite a long time and then Man United just went in at the last minute. Because Chelsea weren't really rumoured until about maybe a week mm. from, you know, initial rumours to actually closing the deal. Lots of money. I'm just going to throw it out there. That was, a lot of, that was a lot of cash. That was a lot more than 50 mil as well. Mm. Mm. My understanding is it was £62 million. Pounds. Um, you know, for a player that cost £15 million pounds a year ago. Yeah. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on what you think about him as a player initially, uh, because he was Brighton's player of the season last season. And I think the general consensus is good player, probably didn't get the number of assists that he deserved because Brighton don't have any strikers that score goals. So how can you get assists? Mm. So there's definitely a big upside for him in terms of numbers and output. But it's quite a lot of cash. It's a lot of cash and a lot more than City valued him at, considering City balked at 40 and that was their final offer. So what's that? It's like an extra 33% and a little bit on top as well that Chelsea have, have given it. So, yeah, a lot of cash. Um, I think he's a great player. You know, we watched him last season. He was fantastic for Brighton. Can he fit into Chelsea's system? Well, this, this is a big question mark over him because I don't, I don't really understand where he's fitting because A he has to play because he was he was so expensive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but Chilwell is also very good and they play three at the back so they're both wing backs in my head so are they do they have 112 million pounds of talent competing for that left hand side which is a nice problem to have but probably wasn't the problem they needed to fix mm. I would guess or a bit more rogue is he a left sided centre back a bit like Carl Walker does for England mm. I don't know if he's played there. I think he has I, on occasion for Brighton, but he's not exactly the most, like physique-wise, he's not the most formidable. He's definitely built like a full-back slash wing-back, isn't he? So yeah, would... that would be my thinking. So maybe Chilwell is the left-sided centre-back. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, mm. I think. I wonder if Chilwell's ACL has any bearing on this transfer. Because I've always thought, will Chilwell come back to this? Because he was fantastic before he actually got that, that injury last season. You know, can he hit those heights? And you know, do Chelsea have a? Can they afford six months while they wait for Chilwell to get up to speed? Maybe that's the thinking. As you say, sixty-three million just to to spunk on a potentially backup left back does seem like a lot of cash. It does seem like a lot. That's probably what it is actually. Maybe there's a lack of trust in Chilwell at the moment, mm. and moving forward, maybe they don't feel like he is a long-term answer anymore. 
because there's a good player in there, but maybe he's going to spend more time out than in. Yeah, um, yeah. And then he's just cut their losses. Maybe covering all bases with that one. There was very interesting um, information coming about how this Cucurella transfer actually transpired with Chelsea. So I don't know if you if you saw this, but Ted Bowley, the new the new owner, or is he the CEO? I guess he's like the the figurehead of the owning consortium, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's the the new daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so big daddy Todd. <laughs> he actually organised a meeting with all the other chief executives of the Premier League clubs, and it was during that dinner. It was actually a dinner. Sorry, it wasn't a meeting, but I guess it was a meeting too. Uh, he started speaking with Paul Barber from Bright- from Brighton. And through those conversations, it became clear that, you know, Brighton weren't expecting City to come back and Cucurella was still open. And that opened up a window for, for Ted Bowley and Chelsea to come in and secure the signing. Um, so it's an interesting one. I guess it's a little bit advantageous. But it sounds, yeah, it sounds quite um, opportunistic almost. Mm. That just from that meeting, knowing that City wanted him, almost validates that, yes, he must be a good player. Exactly. You know, like, prior to that dinner, was, was he on the list, you know? Was, or was it just because he was available and City were after? That's what I think. You know, it's mm. just like a statement thing, saying we're Chelsea, we're, you know, we can compete with the best. Was it kind of getting yeah. your dick out in the playground kind of <laughs> exercise? <laughs> getting I don't know. your dick out on the playground. <laughs> Maybe not the playground. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but Ted's let, Todd's, is it Ted or Todd? It's Todd, isn't it? Todd's letting everyone know he's there. That's what I think this transfer is all about. Yeah, I do think he he definitely wants to make a big impact this summer, you mm. know, because there's big shoes to fill. Like Roman's been a really good owner. You know, there's other things about his personality that are less savoury. But as mm. an owner of Chelsea, I've never heard any Chelsea fans complain about him, and I think they're quite sad to see him go. So sure, Todd Todd's got to bring it, you know. Yeah, I wonder if that's in the back on. of his mind. You know, wants yeah wants to keep the Chelsea fans on side and you know keep their expectations up. And Chelsea fans have been spoiled. No offense, Chelsea fans, but. You know, since 2004, since Roman taken over, you guys have just had a good... It's just been yeah. ascendancy, ascendancy, ascendancy. So, yeah. Those good times, they're still rolling. They're still rolling. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, maybe Chilwell is actually... Maybe this will be his last season at Chelsea. Maybe he's going to get phased out over the season and then they'll look to bring someone through to deputise for Cucurella and Chilwell get sold to someone else. I could see that um, happening, to be honest. I could see that maybe, happening big time. West Ham. Here comes a hot take. I'm saying West Ham yeah, next summer. Right, something like West Ham. Uh, who's their left back? Is it still uh, Cresswell? I think it's it still Cresswell. Still... Yeah, he's getting on a bit now. Cresswell. That's what I mean, yeah. it's, he's maybe 33, 34. So that's what I'm saying. Next summer, Chilwell to West Ham. Cucurella. I think you're to... on. I think you're onto something there because I can see Chilwell enjoying the London life too. I can't see him going mm-hmm. up to Newcastle unless the money's really good. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um, I agree with that. But yeah, it'd be inter- I wonder how Chelsea fans would feel if, you know, Chilwell just got, you know, unceremoniously dumped <laughs> by Chelsea. I think it just depends on how good Kukurea is. Mm. If he's really good, I don't think anyone would care, really. Like, mm. it's the same for any club. You don't think about the player who's been replaced unless it's like a, a true club icon, especially if the new guy's doing better, or at least the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there's no downside to the transfer, in my opinion. You're just, you're just strengthening a position that it was already pretty pretty good in the team yeah. so you know it's just a lot of money but then you know Chelsea have a lot of money to spend from what I understand this like more than most English clubs anyway this summer What what is that down to? do you know? I'm going to put it down to the transfer ban that they had just I think it's during the pandemic because um, they have always sold quite well mm. um, we're going to get onto that for sure we'll talk about some of their outgoings but they haven't exactly been shy in splashing the cash in the last what two summers I think at least yeah, well, I mean, with, with Big Ron, which we will cover in more detail <laughs> last summer. Um, yeah, they have it, but they never have been. But yeah, from what I understand, this summer, you know, money's not an issue. They're going to go for the targets that they need to. Um, and I think, yeah, chucking down 63 mil on Cucurella, which is... Well, everyone was saying 50 was, you know, the starting point. It's just a going rate, isn't it, though? Yeah, like... yeah true, true. Especially for fullbacks. <laughs> yeah, literally, that's the only price. Any yeah. fullback who's half decent than Prem is 50 mil. Mm. It'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Will he fit the system? I do feel like Graham Potter's system, you know, with those win backs, as we saw against Man United, like we discussed in the last pod. Um, they like to roam forward, they're bombing up and down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Chelsea's setup is quite the same. 
I don't know why, but I think he was probably a better fit for Man City. But maybe this is part of Chelsea wanting to be a bit more attacking because we know they're quite defensive. So mm. maybe this is this is you know another weapon they're trying to improve the chances moving forward. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's gonna be interesting how it plays out. I mean, we've got to give him a couple of weeks to get up to speed because I think. You know, he's just joined, I think, was it last week? So he hasn't a lot of time to kind of integrate with the squad and the system. So I don't think we'll see the best of Cucurella until maybe September now. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, one thing I do find interesting is I feel like Brighton have an exceptionally good scouting network. And I know you talked about it on the pod earlier in the week about, you know, the kind of product and network that Tony Bloom has that he offers as a service. Mm. But, I mean... Fifty million pounds a year ago to sixty-two is damn good business for oh, Britain. Whatever way but, you look at it, it's great business. It's great business. You know what I mean? Surely this guy wasn't that unknown. I mean, he—I'm pretty sure he came from La Masia, so he's he a did. Barcelona academy product. Which means, I mean, if I was a scout, there'd be about three or four academies where I just look at all their in- <laughs> intakes, you know, and just know who's there and where they're going, because they are good academies and. There's so many teams who could have done with a, you know, taking a punt on a left back. Mm. I just don't understand why the big clubs always wait until, you know, these are tested. Like with Bellingham, for example, or with Cucurella, or with Fofana, for example, mm. which we'll get onto in a minute. Nice segue. But yeah, they just kind of wait to see how they get on, but then pay three times the price. It's a very good point. It's a really good point. I guess it seems obvious now, knowing how good he was. Maybe there's a concern for the big clubs that. They won't acclimatise to the Prem very well. So it's good to see them at a lower club and see how they do before taking them on. But it, it does seem like, you know, if Chelsea had just taken him straight instead of him going to Brighton first, then they would have saved themselves almost 50 million quid. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like they're bad at selling. They would have got their money back. Mm, mm, exactly. Maybe Baba Rama, like we Maybe Baba Rama. Actually, yeah. Actually, yeah. Maybe, all right. <laughs> but it is a good point. You know, it does seem obvious. You know, just follow the La Masia graduates. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that's what I'd yeah. do. Pretty simple. You'd follow like Porto's Academy. Yeah. Benfica's. Uh, Benfica's. La Masia. Ajax, and... maybe. And Ajax, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just keep a tab. That's a very good point. Maybe we should start something. We just want to. And then you'd also just follow Chelsea's as well, wouldn't you? Because like, they've yeah. got a great academy. That's very true. That's very true. See, see who's getting disgruntled and then give them a call. Yeah. I mean, right. I'm just going to say that's why we're not football executives <laughs> very good point well not yet anyway but I think we're dropping a lot of knowledge so <laughs> never say never it's a matter of time Barcelona could do a lot worse than hiring us I reckon <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't just keep leveraging debt we might try and you know stabilise things a little bit <laughs> okay so yeah moving on to Fafana because yeah, Chelsea just aren't stopping, are they? They're they relentless. are gonna. This, if they get all the players they're being linked with, this could be their biggest transfer spend ever in a window. I think. I think so. Which would be impressive for Chelsea because they've had some absolute whoppers in terms of windows. So, Fafana. I mean, again, I think he's good. I think he had a really good first season and then almost no second season from injury. Yeah. So. The price of what? It looks like it might be 80, 85 plus million pounds. Big numbers. That feels like a lot for someone that we don't know if he's going to get back to that level. Mm. You'd almost want to see one more year before you drop that. He's young enough to mm. let it play out. It's a, again, it's it's a weird one. I don't. That price is obviously inflated because Leicester do need the cash. And he is a star asset. But 90 mil. Goodness me, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, that... For that, it's, it should be a guarantee. I mean, Harry Maguire is the barometer here. So <laughs> it's unfortunate for them. They're dealing with the same club in the same position yeah. you know, a couple of years yeah. on. I mean, no one's really like, oh, I'm surprised at that price. I think, it's, you know, for, for quality centre-backs, it's the going rate. You're paying an absolute premium at the moment. But I just don't think they need to do that. You know, that, I, I don't think so either. Levi Colwell, surely you just save the 80 mil and just have him... Because, I mean... Fofana wasn't going to be a starting centre-back, was he? I appreciate Thiago Silva's quite old now, but they've brought in... Who else did they? they brought in Koulibaly. Yeah, They've got Thiago Koulibaly. Silva. Cucurella, potentially, as a centre-back. Chalabar Reece... can play there. Reese James Azpilicueta. Azpi's there, yeah. 
I feel like there's enough there, personally, without yeah. adding him, but... But I guess it comes down to Tommy Tuchel's tactics, isn't it? He just loves a solid mm-hmm. defence, and he's... Yeah, it's just weird. It's weird, and it... oh, We'll go into the striker situation a bit later, but... Surely, surely there's got to be a striker coming in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think there might be. But yeah, I'm looking at that defence, and there's a scenario where it's Fafana, Kukurea, and Koulibaly as the three centre-backs. Mm. And then Reese James and Chilwell as the full-backs. And it sounds really good on paper, I have, I have mm, to be honest. Mm. With Mendy behind, it sounds maybe the most solid defence mm, in the league. Mm. But it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of knit it all together. Because usually with defences, you want them to be a unit. And you want to introduce maybe one component, you know, and kind of do it slowly. And this would be introducing basically 60% of it as brand new and not played together not even played in the same country um, well, as each other again that is the concern I think for Koulibaly as well like we saw with Lissandro Martinez you've gone from Italian football which fair enough the defending level is very high but the, the game itself is so different right yeah um, it's going to take There's a slower pace to it for sure yeah. so he might get caught out in the first few weeks you know just by yeah I think so the directness of some of the players I think so I don't think he's going to have these people well experienced people running at him in the same way that you know, the Premier League's going to throw at him. So, yeah, one to watch. But I suppose Thiago Silva did really well once he joined. So I guess, you know, that's the other side of the coin, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. No one knew how good Thiago Silva was going to be, but he's basically not dropped his sort of world-class level at any point. No. But yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot going on. It's a lot of change. It's very exciting if you're a fan, but you do wonder if they're trying to change a bit too much all at once. Yeah, big, big summer for Chelsea, like... It's basically a brand new team. Like their their lineup's going to be, you know, very different from last year. Very very different. Yeah, potentially half of it could be totally different. And you know, one thing I was thinking was that they have a habit of pushing out their kind of academy graduates. Um, does that mean that Chalaba's going to be the one next to go? Because I really liked him when he played last season. Mm-hmm, you know, me too. there's there's something to say for having homegrown players in the team. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and around the club. But if they get Fafana, they've got Valley and they've just bought Cucurella, I don't see Chalaba getting Much, a lot of game yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think Chalaba will probably be getting quite restless. I have a feeling, just from last season, that Tommy Tuchel doesn't really fancy him. Um, despite, obviously, playing him a lot last season, I think that was more out of necessity rather than, you know, like actually really rating Chalaba because he really did leave him out of the, the big games as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, there is definitely something for having academy graduates within the squad because that also shows that you know other academy, well, young players in the academy, there is a pathway, and there's you know a chance to get into the Chelsea first team. It must be really disheartening, mustn't it? If you're a Chelsea graduate, you're really good, and you're looking at you know, what graduates have made it into the team: Mason Mount, Reese James. Beyond that, it's not much, it, is there? No, I mean Tammy for a bit, but you know he's gone. God, they could do with Tammy now, though, couldn't they? It just doesn't make sense, but we'll come on to that. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll come on to that, because there's definitely a a broader trend going on. Um, Okay, speak about more transfers. Dion to Chelsea. Do you see it? I don't see it, personally. My heart tells me that if he was going to leave Barca, it will be for Chelsea, it won't be for United. Yes, that's for sure. But I don't Especially, I mean... He's watched. He's watched the Brighton game for sure. <laughs> I was going to say, De Jong doesn't fancy that. I'm sure. No, no. Um, but I just don't think he's going to leave. I think this is just going to be one of those, one of the strangest sagas I think you've ever seen in football. Um, yeah, because it's getting more and more spiteful each. You know, mm-hmm. each passing day. You know, he's now being sued and told to go to his old contract mm-hmm. along with other players. I mean, it's it's so toxic now. And if but, I was De Jong, I think I'd. I mean, yeah. I, I get it. He's owed 17 mil and I would wait for my 17 million before agreeing to leave. But I would want to stay for a club that's treating me like that. They're not only treating you like that, it could all be discussed privately, but the leaks that are coming out in the public, you know, like the, the presidency is actually trying to build a narrative against Frankie de Jong. Yeah, and it's so transparent as well that, you know, that's exactly what they're doing. Mm. Um, they're just trying to build this case that he's being difficult, you know, and he's digging his heels and he's actually stiff them for money basically is what they're trying to pull now anyone can see it's just absolute you know garbage mm, well I mean considering their financial situation it's just it's just ridiculous but I do feel bad for him this is a guy that it's not even like he's a mediocre player this is 
could be one of the best midfielders in the world. Yeah, you know? yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I was him, there's an argument to say, if you really want to stick it to Barca, you just stay. You just stay. Oh, I think so. Yeah. And you sit on the bench on your 450,000 a week. Yeah. And you play, you know, as and when, but yeah. Do a Gareth Bale. Do a Gareth Bale. Exactly. Yeah. Just stick it to them. I agree. I think if the fans turn on him, he, he is well within his rights to... To, to take that approach and I don't think anyone could blame them I think it's disgraceful what Barca are doing yet everyone seems to want to join them still so again yeah. what do we know it's so weird Holland Golf Barcelona <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm hoping to see <laughs> <laughs> so moving forward onto Chelsea uh, transfers Aubameyang is being linked as well seen that weird very strange. I mean, for someone who Arsenal paid to leave, it'd be very strange to see him back in London within, what, eight months? Yeah, well, I, th- I thought the writing was on the wall for, for Orba as soon as Lewandowski signed. Yeah, um, but again, oh, this is the problem with Barca, is that they've done so many transfers, they're involved in so many things. Their lack of planning is just dragging this conversation towards them constantly. Mm. Because, like, I just don't understand why they even took him in the first place. Mm. I get why they want to get rid of him, but I don't know why they even have him. No, it was it was all very strange, wasn't it? I guess they thought, you know, last... Because he, he left in the winter window last year. I guess they thought they needed some cover. I mean, I didn't, didn't they have Luke de Jong before Bamiyang joined and pretty much no mm. one else up front? So I get the need, but then didn't they sign him on a two, three-year contract? It was just balmy. Well, yeah, and they had Ferran Torres in January as well, don't forget. That's so. a good point. That's a very good point. I... Yeah, the Aubameyang transfer doesn't make sense, especially as they've been chasing Lewandowski since he joined. Yeah, agrees. But, you know, let's try and focus on Chelsea. What do you think about that from a Chelsea perspective? I mean, for me, it just smacks of kind of short-term thinking, but he will be an upgrade on any strikers they have because they don't have any apart from Breuer or Brozier. I just think, yeah, I don't know. Like, Aubameyang's not exactly the hardest-tracking centre-forward. You know, he's not a presser. And he no. hasn't got the blistering pace anymore, as we saw last season with Arsenal. So to ask him to carry the... I just feel like it's another Romelu Lukaku situation where he's obviously not the man to lead the line. You know, mm-hmm. Aubameyang's just a poacher. He's a pure poacher. He's an amazing finisher. But Chelsea requires someone so much more than just a finisher in their, in, in their attack and to lead the line. So I just don't see how it's going to work out. I just don't... But then also, what are the alternatives? I guess Aubameyang might be pretty available, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my next question. Do you have any suggestions on the type of player that actually would be a benefit for Chelsea? I mean, let me rack my brains. Yeah, sorry, I'll natter for a bit and you have a think. Um, My thoughts on Aubameyang are that it's probably going to go down the path of the other ageing strikers they was by. I mean, Eto'o was the best one and he was pretty average. Um, you know, mm. Shevchenko, Fernando mm. Torres, just this endless list of buying strikers who were good like six years ago or five years ago for being generous. Yeah, but even Shevchenko Torres, they came in with a you know far higher ceiling and expectation than if Aubameyang came in. You know, thirty three year old yeah. Aubameyang is not going to win you the league. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's a weird one. It's just just funny, isn't it? You can change so much at Chelsea. The whole structure and ownership has changed, but. This <laughs> this addiction to like old past it strikers, still there. Still maybe, there. Maybe it's just maybe it's just news. To be fair, it's an easy link, isn't it? It's it feels an easy right. link, but I feel like it must be some truth in it. I, it just doesn't make sense otherwise. People wouldn't have put the two parties together unless there was some sort of link between. I suppose that's how all bloody transfers work, isn't it? So mm-hmm. it's a bit of a moot point. Watch that space. If he does sign, I'll be shocked. I'm gonna I'm gonna pour cold water on that one and say that's not gonna happen. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think it is going to happen. Ooh. I disagree. Simply because it would just be classic. And I think like I think Todd. I think Todd just wants to just sign all the players. He's not too worried about how they fit. I think he just wants to do it, and then he'll kind of realise maybe that was a couple too many. But <laughs> I wonder how much input Tommy Tuchel has as well. Like how closely is he working with Todd for these signings? I would say he's more involved than ever because the age profile, a lot of these signings are older, yeah. which indicates they wouldn't be aligned with what the club would want, but they would be more aligned with what Tuchel wants because he you know, is looking in the next few years. He doesn't need to worry about five years down the line. Um, you know, Chelsea kind of 
have a history of getting rid of managers pretty quickly. Mm. That may change now, but I doubt he's looking beyond two years in terms of his squad and his goals. I think so, actually. That's a good point. After winning the Champo, they've really regressed, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think he's pro- he, he probably just wants a squad that he feels confident that can challenge for the Prem, because I'm sure that's his ultimate goal, is to, exactly. is to get him to the top. So yeah, I do understand that, to be fair. And, you know, if you're a football manager and... You know, we don't know how it's going to work with Chelsea now, but previously and historically, they've just they've got rid of managers every two or three years. Mm-hmm. I guess you would be like, well, I don't care about the squad in the future. I just want to make sure that for the next season, I can win it. And I do get yeah. that point. Do you know what I mean? If you're a manager, you've got to be selfish like that. You don't want to build a squad for the next manager to, to win it with and take all the Yeah, credit, exactly. Do and do you know what? That probably, we'll come back to that point because that probably ties into, you know, why they've always been sort of focused on the short term. Mm. Um, right, Chukwemeka. Chukwemeka? I think so. <laughs> Pretty good. He's a, he's a really exciting talent and prospect. This transfer happened out of nowhere, again. At least to me it did. Maybe Same. it's been rumoured on Chelsea pages for a while, but, you know, I just assumed he'd probably end up at, like, Real Madrid or, or Bayern Munich and just kind of go abroad as a youngster. Or even Dortmund would be quite mm. fun. But he's gone to Chelsea, which I can definitely understand why. Because they do bring through a lot of players, but then they do also sell a lot of their good youngsters. So I wonder where he fits in. I almost get the sense that they're going to value him a lot higher than people like Gallagher or Gilmore, mm. who are you know midfielders that have come mm. through and maybe of similar quali- quality. Gallagher might even be better. But I think they'll value him more because they've actually placed a value on him. Yeah, you know, this they've one... actually bought him. Yeah, this came out of nowhere. And I have to confess now that I really don't know much about this player. But I don't even want to say his name because I might butcher it and that would be a bad start. So we're going to call him Carney. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I know he was pretty decent for the under for the underage groups. Didn't they win England, one of the underage yes. groups? Yes. So, yeah, I think it was the under-19s. They won the World Cup that's or right. the Euros or whatever it I was think... over the summer. He was one of the best players. That's what I've heard. So from that point of view, I can completely understand why you'd invest it. Um, and he was definitely up for sale because I know he was rejecting new contracts from Aston Villa. Yeah, so he had a year left. He Aston Villa have a surprisingly good academy, actually. They've invested a lot into it. You know, Ramsey came through last year. This guy's rated at a similar level to Jacob Ramsey. Okay. So he's potentially Premier League ready, ready. Maybe not for Chelsea level, but for mid-table, he's definitely ready. Um, I think he's generally thought of as one of the most promising England youngsters coming through at the moment. Oh, in which years. case, it seems like a, a brilliant signing. It's just, isn't it? It's just that concern of all youngsters at Chelsea, isn't it? It's like, is he going to get the game time? You know, mm. he needs game time. I think that was the whole point with Villa is that he wasn't getting the game time. So you've gone to Chelsea, who, you know, have a stacked midfield and have a history of really not treating their youngsters well. Look at Loftus Cheek. Poor guy's wasted his whole career there. Um, it's a tough one, but I think because he costs money, it could be different. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. There's a slightly different policy for kind of sidings as opposed to, um, you know, all of the youth. But yeah, we'll watch that closely. I think I think it's a great signing, personally. Do you? I, I'm disappointed that it wasn't to another club because it might harm his development, as you said. But from a purely, you know, rival fan perspective, I'm envious because he could have... He could have definitely joined Liverpool and it would have added some real value to our squad, I think. Yeah, I think for a 20 mil punt, and if you've got the money available, there's no better signing than signing one of the best rated English prospects at this current time. Mm-hmm. It is a no-brainer. So, yeah, maybe maybe one of their best signings. Maybe not immediately, but could work out to be a really, really good signing for them. Yeah. You know what? That's probably true, actually. We'll have to revisit that at the end of the season, see, see if he's played any games. He's going to get loaned out to, like, Vitesse Arnheim or whatever. Oh, my God. He 100% will. Straight to his... Everyone has to do a year in Vitesse. It's like, um, yeah. it's like national service, you know. You have to do your year, otherwise you can't qualify. <laughs> oh, he's got Ernest Stripes over in Holland, yeah. That's yeah, so good. exactly. <laughs> so, a couple outgoings. Timo Werner's gone back to Red Bull Leipzig for... You know, just over half the money they paid two years ago. Mm. I think that's honestly a reasonable value. Both ways, you know, I think the price was fair when he came in. The price is definitely fair going out because he's been pretty rubbish. That's a definite flop for me. Um, Oh, he really does split opinions, doesn't he? Because I know the Chelsea fans love him. 
Yeah, yeah, they really do. Um, you know, friends that I've spoken to support Chelsea, they really like his attitude. Yeah. They really like almost his self-deprecating nature about him, mm. you know. Good I mean, lad is the word they use a lot, but doesn't really do it. You know, they keep buying strikers who don't score goals, and this is just the latest one. It's true. It is, I mean, Tuchel said in an interview, like, no one wants the number nine shirt because they think it's cursed. Which is so funny for him to say just before the start of the season, can I add? But, you know, it's, yeah. it's true. Like, and also, Chelsea fans have a penchant for these shit strikers. You know, Torres, yeah. Matai Kesman, do you remember him? He was rubbish, but they loved him. There's, there is a curse. There is a there curse. There really is a curse over Stamford Bridge. I think the last good striker at Chelsea was Drogba. Realistically. Oh, yeah. Think... As you know, sorry, Diego Costa. Oh, sorry. Ooh, good shout. Yeah, Diego was the last kind of qualified success striker. Yeah. For sure, I agree so with that. So that's two in... Maybe 18 years? Yeah. That's not great. God, <laughs> no. I mean, God knows how much money they've spent trying to fix it. It's got to be close to 500 mil, I reckon, at this point. Mm, mm, and, you know, that's only going to get higher if they buy another striker this year. But, yeah, yeah. back to Timo. I, oh, it was weird. He did 90... Everything he did up until, like, the critical moment... It was perfect. His build-up play was good. His runs were good. But it's just like the end result was always shocking. Yeah. I do wonder if he would have been the same if he'd have joined Liverpool. Because that was supposed to be on. Mm. You know, if he was always going to be this player. Um, or if a different system might have suited him better. You mm. know, um, a different players around him. Because one of them where you can't really know. And we'll never know. No. Um, whether he just made potentially the wrong move at the wrong time. Yeah, I mean, it's annoying because I didn't see, I didn't watch the the Bundesliga season when he when he lit it up with Leipzig, and I understand that everything he did turned to gold, and maybe it was just one of those purple patch seasons. Mm-hmm. Now yeah, where Farak of... scores the the XG, you know, and it's it's just one yeah, of them where... yeah, exactly, exactly. And now he's kind of going back to the mean, um, and this is the real Timo Werner. Who knows? Uh, but sad end for him. I think everyone had high hopes for him. I think everyone was worried when he first came in. So. Yeah, I think I was I was worried about him. I feel like I was worried about his mental health, you know, at points because it's just it's just embarrassing. Like past the point, it must be such a sad experience to like do everything right and then just miss an open goal again. Yeah, you start feeling feel like... bad for him. Like that's it. As a rival fan, you should never feel bad for the opposition's players. But no, I think that's why people really kind of warmed up to him is because you know you could see he was trying so hard and you know that's what we love in England mate we yeah <laughs> like, what does that say about kind of English football as a whole is like will forego you being a bit shit as long as you put your all into it yeah that's why we absolutely love the hard working average midfielders Granit Xhaka love him Granit <laughs> <laughs> but yeah sad end for Timo but I do hope he goes back to the Bundesliga and hopefully makes Leipzig a lot more competitive you think Nkunku and, and Werner might be a good little partnership up there it will be interesting to see if he then goes back and just picks up where he left off in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I know. Then it's like, what does it say? What, what can we take from this? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, it, It's just a Chelsea curse, potentially. Yeah, maybe because, wrong club, like you said. Just the wrong club, yeah. wrong profile. And you know, moving on from curse strikers, Lukaku. Oof, He's gone. Wow. Now, this, this, this is probably the worst transfer of the last five years, I reckon. Simply because they're not going to get any of their money back, I don't think. Mm-mm. Like Inter are just going to loan him for a season, offer like a pittance, like 15, 20 mil. Chelsea will say no, so he'll just end up going on loan again. Yeah. Or go to China. They're never going to get that 100 mil this back or even for... 50. Where does he go from here? Okay, so he's going to do his season Inter. Let's say he's. Let's say he has a, a reasonably good season. Let's say he's not the same season as he had in Inter when they won the, won the Scudetto, but. Let's say he has a good season. You know, he gets a goal every other game or a goal involvement every other game. Comes back to Chelsea. Then mm. what? You know, where does he go? Who's going to take him? Vitesse, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Send him. Send him. No, I don't know. I don't know. Be, be more serious. Yeah, I just... I feel like he's had so many chances at the big clubs now to to just get, get it on. And he should have just stayed at Inter. I'm sure if he, if, if he could reverse time, he would have just stayed at Inter and, you know, rejected Chelsea's advances yes. last summer for sure. Um, if he'd known how it was going to go. But what's really weird about Big Rome, and you know, I'm sorry to shoehorn Arsenal into a Chelsea deep dive, but his, that the second game of the season at the Emirates, he was fantastic against us. The yeah, guys... he absolutely destroyed you. I remember that, and we thought, oh god. Yeah, he pulled our pants down. You know, and it was like 
it was like inevitable. It was like Thanos, you know what I mean? Like the guy yeah. just bullying us at the back. So yeah. it's just so weird how it's, it's just gone down the pan. Like it just it unraveled, didn't it? I'm just thinking back to all the drama as well when he did that interview for Sky Italia saying he didn't want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That that should have been it, really. There, there's definitely something about Lukaku who just... He's he's a good vibes guy. He needs love, he needs appreciation, he needs to feel like he's the main man. I think he's quite a sensitive soul. I don't think he's yeah. got an elite mindset, to be fair. I think he's affected yeah. by, by negative, I, negative. I think so, too. And I think, yeah... I think the pressure, once he had a little dip in form at Chelsea and the fans got on him a bit yeah he just never recovered really don't think he enamoured himself by doing the interview or just generally being himself don't think he helps himself sometimes I think he invites no, yeah he does he does he does I think he's got quite a prickly nature well anyway his public persona is quite prickly and I think you know rival fans will do anything to get an advantage and if that means winding up in opposition on social media <laughs> god knows they'll do it <laughs> oh yes and it, you know if it's that easy, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's like, just tactics at this point. It's like more fool you, Romulo. It's, it's your fault for being so affected by this. So, yeah, I mean, it was an awful goal return last year. He was rubbish towards the end. Like, it just didn't click. It just didn't click at all. No, no. I almost felt bad for him, but it was that was more humorous than Timo because you're just like, I expected you to destroy us. And instead, so he got 32 starts in the Prem, 10 goals. Oh, no, 32 starts in the Prem and the Champions League and 10 goals. So, 10 mil goal in those competitions. Loan back for 6 mil. Awful business. Awful business. Awful, Crazy. awful business. Yeah. yeah oh, it, it does make you wonder, you know, A, how they've got so much cash to spend. Because, yeah, on Timo and Lukaku, they spent £142.5 million pounds on those two. They're probably going to make a loss of, you know, over 100 mil on them, not even including wages. Exactly. And they haven't got any closer to fixing the problem at all so they're gonna to have to buy i mean if they get bammy yang they're gonna to have to fix that in 12 months anyway so oh uh, yeah i don't know maybe they need to just play the force nine because they clearly there's a curse and i don't yeah. know when it's gonna stop i mean kai havertz is now their main man up front yeah but i mean beyond I, that who have you got who could they play sterling i wouldn't really trust sterling i suppose sterling could play there you just wouldn't fancy them as a title-winning team if those two are their attackers starting, you know what I mean? If they don't sign another attacker, you, you just can't really put them up there. Yeah, it feels like... Because they are defence-first, that's Tommy Tuchel's way, you know. They don't concede, mm. but they're not there to kind of blitz you. Um, yeah, they probably need more firepower, more individual firepower as well. Just people that will just score goals, you know, mm. uh, one way or mm-hmm. another. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Sterling's interesting because if he's the, sh- the main striker, I think he's going to struggle a lot. If he's a supporting player and they get, you know, someone who can link up with him, then I think he could be a good success. But I have no idea who on earth they would sign to fit with no. him. Can't see Aubameyang working with him, personally. Um, I can't see Aubameyang working full stop, but... <laughs> well, that's fair enough. It's not your fault, Sterling. It's, it's Bama's, as usual. <laughs> Classic Arsenal fan. <laughs> It'd be weird seeing him in a Chelsea strip, to be fair. I would not have expected that a year ago. It's, hap- it's happened a lot, though, you know. It's quite a well-trodden path. It's true. There is an intrinsic link between the two clubs, actually. That's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, weird one. Weird one with their striker department. I thought letting Timo go is a little bit short-sighted, but there's still quite a long time for the transfer window, and, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be an incoming in the striker position soon. Do you think there's a chance for uh, Broja? Broja? Oh, I should bloody hope so. But it's Tommy Tuchel, and like you say, it's kind of like valuing experience over youth. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't amazing at South. He was good for Southampton, but he wasn't amazing for them. Again, no, uh, he wasn't. He wasn't as good as Tammy was when Tammy was at Chelsea. Exactly. Like so you say, and Tammy got sold, so I don't see it going well for him. Yeah, I think Tammy. Yeah, that was a big mistake from Chelsea. Tammy, we'll come on to that. Eh? Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break, and when we're back, we'll talk about Tommy Tuchel and his general philosophy. And we're back. Um, so, talking about Tommy Tuchel, I think there's been a long thread at Chelsea of, you know, appreciate experience over youth, and it comes down to that kind of short-term thinking because they do change things up fairly regularly, and they have done mm-hmm. historically, and so there isn't that 
you know, that incentive to actually bring through youth academy products and, you know, invest in sort of longer term development of players because you're almost certainly not going to be around if things don't go well. And I feel like Tommy Tuchel's doing the exact same thing currently. Um, he's prioritising, you know, the here and now. He's signing people that are, you know, in the the final chapters of their careers in Koulibaly. Um, not so much in Kukurella, to be fair. But it's, I'm almost more interested in the people that he's looking to get rid of. Um, mm, mm. You know, they let go Mark Gerhi um, and Tomori. Um, and for a club that, you know, is now short of centre-backs, Christensen yeah. also left. Yeah. Um, but Azpilicueta, you know, got renewed, which was interesting. I just think there is a disappointing element to Chelsea, particularly amongst Chelsea fans, where I think they would like the idea of actually embracing this golden generation fully because the times at Chelsea are real good in terms of youth development and they will probably never be better than the last few mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, feasibly they could have a back line of, you know, Tamori, Gerhi and Chalabar, Reese James on the right. Um, you know they could have Gallagher in the middle Tammy up front Mason Mount on the right Hudson-Odoi on the left they could almost have an entire team of product of you know academy graduates which would be I still think pushing top six easily Um, yeah definitely and I think the fans would definitely as you say connect with the team a lot more you've got all these Chelsea boys coming through the academy it was good the good word you used there was golden generation you know I personally don't believe that you know they can they can keep up this consistency of top level players coming through. I think it is just. Oh, and then if they carry on poaching the best young players, maybe it could happen. I don't know, but yeah, it just seems unlikely to have this kind of this group all of the same age, all kind of you know coming through the academy at the same time and being able to make it at Chelsea. It's just it does seem like a missed opportunity, and you know the two biggest losses are Gahey and um, Tamori, who they evidently could have used. Yes, exactly. I mean, Tomori last season was exceptional. You know, mm-hmm. he won he won the title. He's probably surpassed most of the centre backs they have now. You know, probably Barku Bali realistically, but you know, he could be an easy number two or number three in that back line and a starter every week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it felt unnecessary to sell him at the time, um, and it feels even crazier in hindsight. And maybe the same will be you know for Gerhi. Colwell has gone on loan. I, I know it's only a loan, but you know, I don't have high hopes for him coming back based no. on, you know, the history. No, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I'm sure these academy graduates are aware of it, and they are. You know, like, we are seeing more and more Chelsea graduates kind of deciding to find pastures anew. And, you know, yeah, I mean, Livramento. Livramento. Five mil, exceptional. Tarek Lamptey. Lamptey. God, I forgot about Lamptey, exactly. It's like three mil, exactly. exceptional. These guys will be in the England team soon. Yeah, you know, it's a mystery why Tomori hasn't been called up more than he already has. I think he was in the last. He one. was, but even before. I don't that. know if he got a cap, but yeah, I think he's finally broken through. I mean, Maldini was singing his praises, saying he's one of the best defenders in Syria. If Maldini saying that about you, then it's just crazy. Wow, you know, yeah. Um, and now, yeah, there'll be clubs looking at him in a couple of years and thinking, yeah, that's worth a punt for eighty mil. Yeah, yeah. Even Mark and then you wonder, like, yeah, Fafana. Is Fafana better than Tomori right now? Probably same level. Probably same so. level. Yeah. Even Mark Gahey. You know, he's got an England yeah. cap since. He was amazing for Palace last year. And he's such a young player. But he's got a maturity about him as well. It's just like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. So, I do think Chelsea are missing an opportunity to really have this great period. I mean, maybe what they need to do is just sit down with Tommy Tuchel and just give him some reassurance. You know, give him a longer-term contract. Be like, you're the guy... But you need to, you know, bring through mm. some young players. I wonder if that but is... But we'll give you the time. Yeah, I wonder if that's actually going to be a focus of the new owners. Is more of a focus on youth development. Haven't really heard much from them in regards to that, to be honest. Be interesting to see kind of what their take on where they... Or what, what direction they want Chelsea to go in compared to how Roman ran it. Yeah, um, definitely. I guess that'll come out of the woodwork as time progresses, but... Yeah, it just does seem odd, the outgoings that they have. It's good business. Obviously, you've got to, you know, they, they're a good selling club, like Liverpool, like City. You know, they get returns on their investments. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't always make sense. But it does feel like they've, they've, they've had a fire sale of their academy graduates when they didn't really need to, especially things like Tammy Abraham, Tamori, Gahey. Yeah, they, they sold players in positions where they weren't 
necessarily strong or they could see where the problems were coming mm. but I guess they've sold them at the moments where they could get the most money you know like I wouldn't be surprised to see Broya be sold no simply because right now his stock is probably higher than it's ever been and if he doesn't play basically mm. you know for a season it's probably knocked 10-15 mil off his value so I do get it but I do think there's more value in keeping these things together. I get yeah. it up until they signed Lukaku for 117 mil with the money that they've made. Yeah. That's when I'm like, well, it doesn't make sense. You know, if they were smart investments in similarly young players, but oh, I'm trying to think of a young player that would, you know, that Sesco fella who's been, who's just moved to Leipzig from Salzburg. You know, yeah. if they invested in him, then it makes perfect sense. You know, you're going for like one of the, the top talents that are currently touted. Um, but they're not. They're going for proven experience that hasn't worked out for extraordinary yeah. amounts of cash. And it's, yeah, it's just that short-term thinking, you mm. know? Like, we need to be challenging every season, but we're not necessarily looking to build towards challenging for, you know, a long period. They they like to do this sort of refresh, reshuffle mm. every couple of years. And it's worked really well for them in their credit. They've won more trophies, I think, than anyone else over the last... 15 years that might not be true but they've won a lot of trophies oh, they've, they've had a really yeah, good period they've, they've won everything I think in the last 10 years they've won they've won every trophy, trophy available to them so you know so maybe it's just a more, more romantic view that we're taking maybe it's not I a business so. decision yeah I think so I think so you know I w- you just remember those players more you know the ones that came through um, do, they, you know. do they care more okay this is a very sentimental point of view so apologies but maybe they do care a little bit more do you know what I mean? Like you can see Tammy caring a bit more about Chelsea than than Timo, for example. Although I actually yeah. that's a bad example, Timo definitely did care. Um, I think they care more, but also you know they've grown up with each other, so they know how each other plays. The chemistry's better. Yeah, yeah. The dressing room's probably happier because they all know each other. They all speak the same language. Um, yeah, and they've yeah, been they're all kind of together. growing and progressing together. Yeah. You know, there's a there's something very compelling and intangible about it all. I mean, Chelsea yeah, just... would be a completely different club. You know, people would love, not love Chelsea, but people would respect Chelsea if they went down that route. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. Because, yeah, you remember, like, the famous Man United 1999 team because it was full of all these youth oh, but they've that been, came together. They've been immortalised, that team. It's the, yeah. The class of 99, like... And this this could be Chelsea's generation that's, you know, comparable to that. Yeah, that's such that. a good point, that. Most clubs don't get the opportunity. No, to do you that. might have one or two, you know, yeah. come through, but not all. Best together. case, you get one a summer. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what you know. That's Liverpool's stated objective is basically to try and bring one through every summer. Um, but yeah, Chelsea seems to have about three or four every summer. I guess it doesn't help with the kind of there'll be no continuity in terms of the coaches. You know, you'll have Lampard, who's all about youth development, and suddenly you've got Tommy Tuchel, who's all about experience and here and now. So I guess yeah. You know, that probably hasn't helped either. If they had someone like Arsene Wenger overseeing them over a long period, then I can guarantee you that that generation would have come through altogether. Um, yeah, they just need to s- decide if this is their strategy and then have the pieces in place so that every time they get a coach, they continue on that project. Yeah. Because they'll get rid of them, you know, if they're not doing well, but they're just totally changing the styles each time. Yeah, yeah. They're probably going to get first now, get Champions League final or something. Just prove us wrong. <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out, but you know, I don't think so. I know that Hudson's always going to be gone soon. Loftus Cheek will be gone soon. R.I.P. to all these great players. Yeah, Hudson Odoi, he's a weird one, isn't he? A lot of high when he was getting, you know, chased by Bayern. I thought, well, this guy's going to be a world beater if Bayern are after them. Same. I mean, yeah, at one point you thought him and Sancho were going to be the long-term yeah. options yeah. for England. I think that his career has stalled massively. Constantly. Yeah, he got bad injuries and then he just got a contract that was just way too big, way, way too, too early. Big. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder if these early, these big contracts are a bit of a curse on young players. How can you have the same sort of incentive and suddenly you've tripled your wages and you're earning like close to a mil a month? Well, yeah, I mean, he's earning, I think, more than double what Mendy earns. Yeah, yeah, he's on like two hundred k or something because it's to ward off yeah. other interest, you know, other people. And you think like, surely it's worth just taking the the forty mil that Biden are offering. Yeah, take the L. Do that. Take the L. Because they probably committed what at least twenty million wages to him now, and his value's probably half. So nothing's really changed. No, I mean they'll probably get about twenty mil from him now. 
let's be fair yeah. and that'll be a fair in the market so yeah maybe they are onto something this is what happens when you keep and you hand them a big contract you know this this is the other side effect <laughs> yeah I mean that that'll be the evidence they point to be like, well look what happened I mean look at Loftus-Cheek like he's just been hanging around should have just sold him yeah Loftus-Cheek you know but then also it's like I, I, I'm not a footballer and I don't know what it's like I guess you know, the money's the most important thing as it is in any job. I guess we, as you say, romanticise it slightly and think, you know, they all want to be keen to play football. But that's probably not the case for a lot of footballers. Maybe they are just happy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're comfortable. They play every so often. They go to training. They earn a shit ton of cash. Yeah, exactly. They may have also been at clubs previously where they just haven't had the best time and they're almost just happy to be there in a good environment. And yeah, yeah. And also... you. Could you really have a go at a player for, for feeling like that? I don't think you can. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, the only example I know as a fact is Origi. He was just happy to be a good vibes guy. And as and when, you know, he'd be brought as a wild card, he, he was happy. But he's just chilled out about it all. It's a perfect you know? example, actually, Origi. What a squad player to have. Like, doesn't cause any problems. Gives his all when he comes on. Loves the city. Connected with the fans despite not playing. Yeah. Loads. It's just like it's like a needle in a haystack. Those kind of players, you just don't get them very often. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess that's lost of chic, really. I guess so. Yeah, and it helps the homegrown quota as well. So there's definitely some benefits here. <laughs> they shouldn't need help with it. They <laughs> shouldn't really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's you know close off by looking forward, you know, to the season and beyond. I mean, it seems like a crazy question to ask, but knowing Chelsea and knowing that there is a little bit of negativity around them, but it could change quite quickly with a couple of wins and some big big transfers. Mm-hmm. Do you think Tuchel's going to be around next summer? Yes, I do. I do. I think I think he's got enough credit in the bank. And I think the owners, like you say, won't, although they're having a crazy summer in terms of incoming uh, ingoings in and outgoings, but I think they'll want to keep the manager in for at least a couple of seasons. You'd think so for stability, but then they did get rid of all of the directors kind of immediately. So true, true. They, they, you know, just to be, just to, just to disagree with you, I don't think he's going to be. There <laughs> I think they they're going to spend an absolute ton of cash this summer. I mean, they already have, but I don't think they're they're close to being no. done. I think there's at least two more in them. Yeah. I think they're going to have a choppy period where they just don't score enough goals still. And then the owners are just going to bring in their own their own coach, whoever that is. Whoever mm. is available at the time. Maybe Mourinho comes back for a third stick. You know? I'd love to see but that. Love to see that. They're going to just bring in their own man, I reckon, because they seem to have wanted to change everything so far. You know, They changed the backroom staff, they changed the directors, they're changing the playing staff aggressively. There's only one man left at this point. Mm. That's a very good point. It's a very good point. And it wouldn't make sense to fire Tommy straight away anyway. So they probably are... You know, the smart business decision there would be, you know, give him a season and wait for him to kind of mess up or stagnate, which probably will happen because we've seen it happen with the Chelsea squads. And then, yeah, maybe they give him the chop. Yeah, he does seem to be getting a little bit frustrated in this sort of pre-season period. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. I get the impression that he might be the kind of manager who will be happy to say, yeah, this is not working for us. Mm. You know, he he won't just hang on. I think he's quite respectful in that way. Yeah, I think he's more. I don't think he's like a like a legacy manager in the sense that he wants to be at a club for a long time. I think if if the club's not matching his personal ambitions, which is always competing at the top, then he's not going to be sticking around too long. Yeah, mm. and equally, you know, the the board probably are feeling the same about him. You know, it's probably mutual. yeah. I think yeah. There's they need to build a relationship first, don't they? Um, I mean, in my heart, I think he'll still be there. But to be controversial, I think he'll be going <laughs> great. Graham Potter to Chelsea. That's Ooh, what I'm going with. Yeah, That's my hot take that, for this episode. That is Graham hot. Potter has an exceptional season, exceptional season, and they bring him in, and he oversees the most wonderful transformation at Chelsea. Cool. Free flowing, all English football. I'd be scared if Potter joined Chelsea. I would be scared. The youth academy is directly funneled into the team. Mm, mm. They put a transfer bad on themselves, <laughs> and they just have some fun. <laughs> yeah, watch that space for the academy. I don't know any more Chelsea kind of starlets who have been touted beyond Levi Colwell. I'm not sure who the next the next Mason Mount's going to be or the next Reese James. No, me neither. But there seems to be an endless supply, so does, I'm sure there's more. It? it really does. It really, really does. Yeah, let's watch that space on Tuchel. I know what you mm-hmm. mean. I know what you mean. It's a big season for him in the same way. It's kind of like for Gerard, isn't it? 
big spend, new owners to impress. You've got no kind of leverage, really, because Roman was the one that you were close with. And they did mm-hmm. enjoy a tight relationship. So, yeah. I think if it starts going it's, wrong as well, possible. you know, he's quite a prickly man. He's, yeah. he's already These things can turn around pretty quick at Chelsea. They really but can. I personally wouldn't like to see it. I do like Tuchel. I think it's good having him in the league. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good brain. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with defensive football. Let's be clear. We're not shitting on that. No, no, no. It's how you win stuff. It's how you win. And he does know it's how to win. Bit, bit boring. Bit boring in the league, but it's yeah. how you win. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of Chelsea fans grumble about their playing style, but it's a means to an end. As long as you win it, then you can have no complaints, yeah. right? So Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just curious if you know anything about the owner or the kind of finances, like how he made his fortune, because that will kind of dictate what the future actually looks like. Um, because they're obviously spending a lot of money at the moment. I just, I'm just curious as to whether, you know, this is just a one-off thing to make an impact, or actually this is a guy who can almost just take over where Roman left off and just kind of bankroll them mm. for the foreseeable future. Because I'm pretty sure it was part of a consortium, right? So it's a little more complicated. Yes. I feel like there must be votes on a lot of major decisions across a lot of parties. That's right. So it's it's a consortium, so there's going to be a lot of shareholders. So it's not just his decision. Um, if I... I don't know loads about him, but I'm pretty sure he owns a baseball club already or has a has a stake in, in the baseball club. You know, that's probably accurate because almost... In fact, maybe all of the American owners have US sports teams too. Yeah, he definitely kind of comes first, from an American sport call. background. Um, but as we, as we know... Um, there's, there's a big difference between European football and American sports in every aspect. Transfers is different. You know, like the draft system that they have over there is, is completely different to how it works here in academy football. So does that success that, if he's had success over there, but I assume he has because he's bought Chelsea, you know, w- will it translate over here? That's, that's the main question I think everyone's got, isn't it, at mm-hmm. the moment? Yeah, I think, you know, certainly with Liverpool's owners, they've had some... Good moments, but also they've had some moments where they've made pretty bad mistakes. Um, but they've they've rectified it. They've learned from it relatively qu- quickly. Oh, That's the one thing I yeah, yeah give them credit for. I think when they make a big mistake, they do reverse it pretty quick. Usually, I think Liverpool's owners have got to be the blueprint in which Chelsea's consortium owners, you know, base the club on. Because although, yeah. you know, they have invested heavily in Liverpool, you haven't, you know, invested in the same level as as Chelsea or, or Man City. But you're up there competing. Yep. Um, through smart buys, through a good te- you know scouting team, um, and just really good management. To be honest, from from top yeah. to bottom, it's just about it's just about working. I think in conjunction with the fans though as well, because like you know, for example, like it feels like Stamford Bridge is due you know a redevelopment or even a new stadium. It's it's quite quite an old stadium at this point, but would the owner want to fund that? Would he want to you know redevelop it like Anfield, or mm. would he want to build a new one? That's interesting questions, you know, that we can see. Or is he just going to be focused on the playing staff and not worry about the infrastructure? More like Old Trafford, you know, and, and the Glazers. You'd assume that they'd be interested in, in, you know, upgrading the infrastructure at Chelsea just because it would raise the profile of the club anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Chelsea, yeah, is, bit... yeah, I don't know. It's a great opportunity for them, isn't it? Imagine they've got a brand spanking new stadium and, you know, they had the consortium's name as, as the stadium, which I could see happening. Yeah, I think in normal circumstances it makes sense, but because they bought it for like three billion pounds mm, or dollars, I feel like there's not a huge amount of value that can be added on top of that at the moment. That feels like very top end, you know. Well, like, interestingly, I was reading from an American's point of view, they see European football clubs as a very smart investment, um, in the sense that three billion for Chelsea, they see it as cheap because they they're seeing the trajectory in which. You know, Premier League clubs especially are being valued at, and it's just you know rising exponentially with the rise of the the Premier League as well, which is only going you know up and up and up, and you know interest in in, in Premier League's at its highest in America as well. So I think for the consortiums, the chance to to own someone like Chelsea, it doesn't it maybe comes around once every twenty five years, because all the other owners are very reluctant to get rid of their. You know, their football clubs. So although three billion for us seems like a hell of a lot of money, I think for them it's like this is a great investment opportunity for us and we're not going to get this chance again. I mean, what other club could you feasibly buy? Let's say you had the money or the funds to buy a Premier League team. Everton, maybe? 
but it's not the same profile yeah. as Chelsea. Everton maybe. West London. Top, Do you know what I mean? Tottenham maybe. No, but no, Tottenham wouldn't sell. What's his name? Joe Lewis and, and Daniel Le- Levy. There's no way. I feel like sell. Tottenham have always been kind of for sale, but the price is probably way too high. Yeah, maybe. But there's, there's a deal to be done with those guys. Maybe privately. Always. I've never heard anything publicly. It's just, I, I, I get it. Like, you're not going to get a chance. Imagine a chance to own Chelsea. West London-based club. You know, like, it just yeah. doesn't happen often at all. That's true. I suppose it is a totally unique asset when you put it like that. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's not like this opportunity will ever come around again. It will be a different one. Best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, there are only 20, there's only six major football clubs and if you get a chance to own one, then you'll, you'll stump up for sure. Yeah. And a London based one as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Chelsea's quite a prestigious area. It just all ties in. I, I think it is a smart move and if they have the money there, then you definitely go for it. Fair mate, you've convinced me it's a good deal. I thought it was way too much money, but you've convinced me otherwise. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Cool. All right, well, let's round off with one final prediction then. Assuming <laughs> Chelsea get a few more transfers mm-hmm. through the door, do you think they're title contenders this season? No. No, I just don't. I'm sorry, Chelsea fans. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fair enough, man. We'll end the podcast right there. <laughs> No explanation given, no, no, no. no explanation needed. No, sorry, guys, it's not happening. <laughs> no, go on, why not? I just, I think they need a year of transition. And I think it's been a tough pre-season. They're getting in their targets quite late. It's going to kick back on a slow start, I imagine. They didn't look that convincing against Everton. And really, they should be thumping Everton because I don't think Everton are any, uh, any good this, this season. So I just think City look too dominant. And I think, yeah, we need a couple of seasons, especially if they don't sort out their striker problem as well. There's just too many holes in that squad. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there are too many holes, and even if they fill all of those holes... <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> and if they uh, fill all of those pegs... Hold, oh, God. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think it's going to take a bit of time for it all to kind of gel and mesh together. <laughs> Oh, man, we're doing so well. Oh, no. This last question has just descended into chaos. We're going to have to put an NSFW warning on this now. Yeah, I might as well swear at this point. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to. We're, gonna, you know, we're not going to do that. This is still fine. The innuendos. No one knows. No one knows. What, what does it no, mean? Exactly. We've probably just gone off on a tangent, some people think. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for all the signings to gel. And yeah. We know with big signings, they don't always work out. And some of them are going to be flops, you know, statistically. So, mm. who? I don't know. Probably Bamiang if he signs. I think that's it's for sure. just the amount of centre-backs they've lost as well. Like Rudiger and Christensen. It's a pretty big loss in one off-season, isn't it? Yeah. And then to try and add three new defenders to a you know a five-person unit. Mm. It's a big ask. I'll tell you what. I mean, we, we saw the chaos of Man United adding one centre-back. Yeah. I mean, that is exceptional, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, we'll watch that space. But yeah, if they'd got Kunde, if they'd got Rafinha, I'd feel a lot more positive that they could challenge. But oh, I just don't think Sterling's enough. Cucurella, I don't think it's enough. Yeah, I don't even know who plays on the right still. Is it Mount then, I guess? Mm, or Pulisic? Pulisic, ZX still there, but neither of them are good enough. No, Mount is good, but he's just confusing. He is good, but I don't know what you mean. Like, oh, it's, a, it's a really weird one. You look at his numbers, he's definitely good. It's no yeah. Mount, Mason Mount is a top top player it's just maybe he needs a bit of help maybe he needs a striker in front of him who can actually score <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not his job to score all the goals and be the top scorer no it's a lot to rest on his shoulders and you know he has been overplayed I think he's played like every single game he's been available for since he got put in the Chelsea team so I'd be surprised yeah. if he wasn't feeling a bit fatigued let's be fair yeah I like Mason no problems with him at all he's a good boy he doesn't get replaced yeah he's a good player good lad yeah he can also come on the pod. Love to have him on. Mason, if you're listening yeah. to this, get on the pod. Yeah, anytime, Mason. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> um, lovely. Well, listen, I hope you hope everyone's enjoyed listening to this today. Um, we are going to do more of these in-depth discussions um, on different teams. We thought Chelsea were very interesting at the moment. So we started with them. Barca will probably be next, um, or Man United. And then, we, yeah, we'll just see how things develop. You know, there's always stories. Mm. I think Leicester, there's things bubbling there. Um, but also... To our, you know, tens of subscribers, <laughs> if you have any topics, 
please feel free to get in contact with us and we'll happily cover any of them. Absolutely, absolutely. It's been a pleasure today. Jack, I wanted to say enjoy your staycation for the next couple of days. Thank you very much. I'm going to sunny Margate uh, <laughs> because, you know, inflation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, we will be doing, I guess the next pod will be Premier League Game Week 2 roundup and that'll be out yeah. sometime next week. Yeah, so stay tuned and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers.